Welcome to Tackling the NFL, the only NFL show that won't give a mega extension to a play-action quarterback. I'm Josh Rosenberg. That's Adam Baltax. And we are back one week before the Super Bowl. We are killing time at this point because we already recapped everything that we think will happen. But to alleviate our boredom, to alleviate our misery and give us a little bit of a taste of the offseason, some big news broke. The Matthew Stafford got traded from the Detroit Lions to the Los Angeles Rams. We will, of course, be talking about that. But first, we promised you that we would be recapping our bowl predictions game. So, Adam, do you remember what predictions we even made over the course of the season? Because I think that we were texting each other occasionally. Uh, when a certain play was made in Week 17, I was pretty excited. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. How, how much were you thinking about it? Um, I tried not to think about it too much because, you know, as, as much as I do like playing fantasy and I, I like things outside of the game, I try not to have too many influences that impact my actual enjoyment of the game. I, I didn't do any serious uh, playoff betting or, or anything that bad. So I, I do enjoy the actual games, but I was thinking about it a little bit. I was like, it would be nice if Xavier Howard didn't get a pick in this last game. Uh, oh, I hope I hope the Colts get a safety. So let's just get right into the game. At the one-point category, I took three picks because I had my bonus pick. Two of them hit. I took the, an AFC South team wins 10 games. Both the Titans and the Colts won 11 games. I took the Dolphins beat New England in December. They just straight up outmuscled them. Uh, they ran all over them. And on December 20th, they won 22 to 12. And I took the Saints to make the Super Bowl, which did not happen because Drew Brees' arm was actually deader than I expected. What did you take in the one-pointers category? I took that the Patriots wouldn't make the playoffs. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, and, and that obviously was the truth. I wanted to get that one and the Dolphins one, but you, you stole that one from me, so I couldn't double down. And I took Deshaun Watson takes fewer than 40 sacks, which unfortunately, because that Texans team has not gotten any better, he has taken more than the year before, and he's taken 49 sacks. The one prediction on this entire board that hit that we did not take was in the one-pointer category. Neither of us took. The Panthers don't have the worst record in the NFC South. That worst record and the higher pick, at the very least, belongs to Adam's Atlanta Falcons. So Yay. neither of us got that <laughs> one. Uh, in the four-pointer category, Adam, why don't you lead us off? So the first one I picked was that Michael Gallup would get more receiving yards than Amari Cooper. And this one, I'm not even mad about now that I took it because it's basically a 50-50. I think that Michael Gallup should have gotten more production than he did yet. And with Dak being injured, it's really uh, up in the air. So who knows? Like, I, I'm not too upset about getting this one wrong. Gallup had a weird chemistry with Dak. I think Dalton was almost better for him. He, they really clicked in like the last month of the season, but by then it was too late to make up the yardage differential. He was about 300 yards short. I took Todd Gurley or David Johnson will finish as a top 10 fantasy running back. If any of you remember at the midseason check-in, I think Gurley was number eight at the time. They both finished outside the top 15. Not good for either of those guys. Yeah, so I, I was pretty happy that I came up with that one because in no world was I was I was going to choose that one, even as a Falcons fan. I was just hoping for a lot of touchdowns. Did not hit off at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of not hitting, I said that the Chargers would lead the NFL in turnovers forced. Which, in my defense, Derwin James got hurt and everything went down after that. But even if he was, with how poorly they played, I don't think it would have mattered. They were, they were 10 takeaways behind the Dolphins. This this one really had little chance of being there. I think this one should have been higher on the list, maybe. But Yeah. Oh, well, choosing one specific team to lead the NFL in turnovers for us but definitely could have been way higher. That's just yeah. incredibly tough to predict. And then you had one other one. that. Oh, wait, actually, I guess I'll go. I had Drew Brees breaks the passing completion percentage record, which was looking close. Then he got hurt, and he ended up at four percentage points below the record. He was still second in the league, although... Interesting fact, Aaron Rodgers was actually slightly ahead of Drew Brees. He had the highest completion percentage of the league, despite throwing two yards farther downfield on average. So Aaron Rodgers was very good. Yeah, yeah. That just shows you how good Aaron Rodgers is, and he should be MVP this year. Anyways, a team gets three safeties was my next pick. And the Colts came through with this one and got me my three safeties actually pretty early on in the season. I think it was like week 11 that they got their third. Oh, yeah, they cleaned that out fast. 
so I, I got some breathing time after that one. I, we thought that the Cowboys got it, but actually they given up the most <laughs> turnovers in the league. And I, I'm pretty happy about that. It's such a, it's a circumstance-based stat, so it's kind of just lucky, but I'll take it. They had a very, very good defensive line this year. Yep, and the only unpicked four-pointer was second-year QB wins MVP. Kyler Murray looked like he might have had a chance in like November, I guess. Uh, that fell off. And then the other second-year quarterbacks are Daniel Jones, so definitely not. Uh, Dwayne <laughs> Haskins. fell off. Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, no, he got cut, which is incredible, honestly, for a 15th overall pick. And Drew hey, Locke. He's a Steeler now. He is a Steeler now. I feel like Sam Darnold will be two, though, soon. So <laughs> might not be the starter. Um, and Drew Locke was awful. None of that did not hit at all. In the seven-pointer category, I came... Very close with both of mine, actually. Um, neither of them hit, though. I had a California team makes a championship game. The Rams came pretty close. Jared Goff could not get it done, although there was a couple problems in that game. We will talk about that later. And then I also had an NFC North team makes the Super Bowl, which was one of my lowest predictions, and I only took it because I hated everything else that was there, and you gave me the last pick in this in this category. And Aaron Rodgers came oh so close. The Packers did not make it, so I did not hit on either of those. Yeah, and my my first one was probably equally as stupid at the time, uh, saying that the Steelers have a losing record. I'm pretty sure I was 50-50 between Steelers having a losing record and Jaguars having a winning record, and they were just equally awful, so I went with one of them. Whatever. Uh, I'm not too mad about it. That one had no chance of happening. Mike Tomlin still an incredible coach, managing to bring whatever team he gets given to a decent record. Absolutely. And then lastly, my very close prediction, I said that one quarterback would have six fourth quarter comebacks and Tannehill needed one more to, to get me this record. Our, we should have included playoffs, but I don't think that would have mattered. But because, you know, wording, Josh, it says nowhere in it that it has to be regular season. That is true. Although I don't think he had that might have been including the postseason just because I checked the pro football reference database and it said five for the season. So I don't really Yeah, and also really he know. didn't have any he didn't have any in the playoffs. So So there we go. I was trying to figure out yeah. wait, did the Titans win a game? <laughs> no, they lost the Ravens. No. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where that postseason comeback was coming from. There's two that weren't picked here. As Adam mentioned, Jaguars have a winning record, not even close. After week one, they were not satisfied with one and oh. And as it turns out, they really wanted that one and fifteen and the number one overall pick. And then equally unlikely, the Chiefs start 0-4. They started 4-0. They're going to win the Super Bowl in like five days' time. I'm not sure. They didn't even lose four games up until the Super Bowl. (laughs) Up until. Yeah, they're not. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Actually, it's impossible for them to lose four. Yeah. And then, okay, here's where I hit. And I almost got, I got, this is is a little bit cheap, but you did give me the first pick in this round. I got an offensive lineman scores a touchdown which I knew this one was going to hit, so I shouldn't have put it in 10 points, but I also didn't expect you to give me the first pick in this we, round. We could, have, we could have traded the Chargers lead to NFL one with this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, that was a pretty dumb one. Yeah, uh, We should have gone with like a long snapper or something. Just off the top of my head, there was at least three offensive linemen scoring touchdowns. The first one was Eric Fisher in week three. So, Yeah. So the next one, I said that Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Fitzpatrick starts all 16 games. This one, the Ryan Fitzpatrick one wasn't that far off. He started quite a few games, but Tua was going to get on eventually. That was kind of un- unstoppable. But Tyrod Taylor got a hole in his lung. Yeah, he uh, got stabbed. Who, who knows? If he had produced a little bit better, maybe he'd be the starter for the whole season. Probably not, but maybe. Because no one knew how good Herbert was. I took, with my other one in this in the 10-point category, someone breaks Michael Strahan's single-season sacks record, which is 22. I didn't even check to see who came the closest because I know no one hit it. I think Aaron Donald had the most, and he was somewhere around... Was it Aaron Donald or TJ Watt? I'm not sure. I'm, I thought it was TJ Watt. Yeah, either way. Neither of them had more than like 17 or 18, so no one came that close. I'll just talk about the other two. I'll vamp about the other two that weren't picked because one of them came really close. I put a tight end leads the league in receiving yards. I did not pick this. I just wrote this one down. Uh, and Travis Kelsey came in second. Stephon Diggs ended up coming in first. But Travis Kelsey came shockingly close. And if they, he had actually played the final game of the season, he actually might have gotten it, which is pretty interesting. And then a non-QB wins MVP. I don't think that came all that close to happening. Who was the closest non-QB? 
would you say? I, I guess Kamara, maybe? No, I would say Aaron Donald. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or TJ Watt or something yeah. like that. TJ Watt, by the way, did lead the league in sacks with 15. All right, thank you. Wow, that is very that is very far away. Uh, yep. Adam, your last pick was one of the most interesting ones on the board, I think, out of all of them. So what happened with this one? Yeah, so I actually thought I had a steal with this one. A non-Lamar QB leads the team in rushing. I thought that someone like Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, uh, maybe even Josh Allen would get this record. But unfortunately, Cam Newton came the closest, 99 yards behind Damian Harris, who showed up way later into the season. We, we weren't even thinking about Cam Newton uh, being the one that, that lost because he was so far ahead halfway through the season. But then they started using Damian Harris a lot, and he started picking up yardage. And this one went to the toilet. Yeah, and also they stopped running Cam Newton quite as much. I think he got hurt at some point halfway through the season. So that yeah, had to factor. And that in. happens when you're on the Patriots. Yeah, and also when you're running quarterback like that. All right, here we go. We got the 13 pointer, and Xavier Howard of my Miami Dolphins caught his 10th interception in week 17 for the first time that a defensive back had 10 interceptions since Antonio Cromartie in 2007. Any defensive player. Any defensive player, yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't think a defensive lineman's catching 10 interceptions. Any player. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, he got ten. That got me thirteen points. That basically won it for you. It did win it for you. It, it more it than did. doubled my score. So yeah, I said a team will go sixteen and zero. This was looking pretty good when the Steelers looked good, but then they played a good team and lost, and uh, they were no longer what was it eleven and zero, which was as far as I think they go. got to twelve, but I, mean, I can't be sure. Yeah. Yeah, but either way, they were close, but but they didn't get it. And then my other one was that a kicker kicks a 70-yard field goal. No one was even close. There were opportunities to do so. There were chances. But they didn't take it. Yes. I, I honestly thought, for I think I thought for half the season that I was the one who had picked this one. So I was really rooting for it. I, I would be rooting for it anyways because it would have been awesome. But too many coaches chickened out and did not take the field goal. And my last one was someone retires midseason. I kept an eye out for this one. I was following uh, Adam Schefter's Twitter notifications. I was ready if anyone retired. No one retired in the middle of the season enough for me to call it. So did not yeah. hit on that one. And then the ones we didn't pick was that a QB throws 30 interceptions. I don't actually know who had the most interceptions this season. But I don't think anyone had more than like 15. Yeah, no one was even close to 30. I know Matt Ryan had a bunch, but that's just because I watched a lot of Falcons games. <laughs> and then the last one was an NFC West team gets the number one overall pick. The Jags were just so far so far ahead and the Jets were so far ahead the entire season that they didn't even have a chance. Yeah, the 49ers came closest and they were a pretty decent team. Uh, okay, and I just checked the interceptions. Uh, the two quarterbacks tied with 15 interceptions, so literally half of what you needed, which is just makes it so much more incredible. We should really appreciate Jameis Moore for getting us 30 interceptions <laughs> in a season because that's incredible. Drew Locke and Carson Wentz, which they each played 12 and 13 games. I didn't realize that Locke played that few. I think he was hurt or had COVID. Well, maybe that's why. <laughs> That's true. Um, they each had 15, so not that close. In total, seven of the predictions on the board ended up being correct. We picked six of them. In final, Adam had five points, and I had, drum roll please, 25. Uh, <laughs> wow. Bailed close out by an offensive lineman touchdown and Xavier Howard. Hey, and, and you wouldn't want any other way to get bailed out than by Xavier Howard. Absolutely not. Although a pick off of Matt Barkley because the Bills were beating us by that much in the game that we had to win to make the playoffs was not really how I wanted to win it. But yes, at least it was him who did it. Yep, That's I like appreciate that. By, a, by a sexy lifeguard. Like, sure, you almost died, but at least you enjoyed the experience. Interesting analogy. Had not thought of it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, okay, so we promised we'd go over the bull predictions game, and now let's get to the most important news of the week. Matt Stafford was traded from the Detroit Lions, where he'd spent his entire career since being drafted with the number one overall pick after the, I think, 2008 season. He was sent to the Detroit Lions for Jared Goff, two first-round picks, but in 2022 and 2023, and a third-round pick. So, uh, just one fun fact, uh, the third-round pick that the Lions are getting is actually the Rooney Rule comp pick that the Rams got because the Lions hired the Rams director of uh, college scouting, Brad Holmes, to be their general manager. Just In an interesting tidbit. Yep. And also, now from the 2016 quarterback draft class, 
Dak is the only one that hasn't been cut or traded from their team. Interesting. So he's the last guy left from that class, which is pretty recent. So, yeah, when you just look at like some of the some of the recent draft classes, you really wonder what was going on with quarterbacks. I'm very glad some of the guys that we have coming in the league this year, and I hope they do better than like 2018 or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, Adam, what's your reaction? Because I I feel pretty good about this trade, but there's been some deferring opinions, and I'm really curious. Let's start with the Rams, actually. Before we do just general trade talk, I guess. Do you think the Rams won, or not even necessarily won the trade? Do you think it's a good outcome for them? Or would you have done it? Would you not have done it? Yeah, so I, I actually called this a little bit earlier in the season. I said that I don't think that Jared Goff will be the starting quarterback for the Rams next year. I think they'll trade him away. Should have put that on the bowl predictions list. What I was not expecting was a Stafford trade, which I'm ecstatic about. Because I think both of these teams won. Like, you can say what you want about uh, one of these teams did one more than the other. Or one of these teams was not quite as good as the other team. But you can't really compare them. They, they got two different things. The Lions aren't getting this for Jared Goff. They, Jared Goff isn't their quarterback of the future. They got two first-round picks and a third-round pick, which is pretty much all you can ask for from an aging quarterback in a young quarterback league. By taking Jared Goff on when they're not going to win these next two years that Jared Goff is under contract, they essentially bought a first-round pick in the same way that the Browns bought a second-round pick by taking on Brock Osweiler's contract all those years ago. And that was an awesome trade-off for the Lions because maybe somehow Jared Goff turns into a functional quarterback again. I doubt it, but if he does, you know what? They have a quarterback, and if he doesn't, they have a first-round pick. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I really just love both sides of this trade because I think it makes football overall just a lot more fun to watch. The Lions aren't winning. Why would you waste Stafford's last years on the Lions? Put him on a team with a little bit of hope. One of the Rams' biggest problems last year and just the past couple of years is that when they were down, they rarely came back and put little effort into it. Uh, they showed little inspiration. Jared Goff showed no hope when they were down by multiple scores. And now you got the exact opposite with Matthew Stafford who brings it like the finishing element that that team doesn't have with his 28 or something fourth quarter comebacks in his career or something ridiculous. But he brings that, that element to the team that they lack. And I think that's huge for this team. Here's the thing. The Rams may not have gotten the best value in the world. I think we should talk uh, after this about how good Matt Matthew Stafford actually is. I'm really not sure. And I think that that's definitely an ongoing conversation, but this is the Rams championship window. Like, they traded two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. You might as well go all in now. It's not going to hurt you any more than that already has. And what Stafford does that Jared Goff can't give you is he's a ceiling raiser. Jared Goff, you're probably going to win with the team around him. They're probably going to win 9 to 10 games no matter what and probably make the playoffs at the very least as a wild card with Sean McVay and everyone around him. But when you get to the playoffs and you're playing the Packers, we saw what Jared Goff can give you. And here's the thing. Jared Goff didn't even play that poorly in that Packers game. He was actually pretty good for his standards for what we were hoping from him. But at the very least, Matthew Stafford raises your ceiling and gives the Rams a chance to hop from a tier two contender to possibly a tier one contender. And I do not know if he automatically puts them in that bin. There's a lot of questions about their defense, which we will be talking about, but at the very least, he gives them the chance to do it. And as you mentioned, this is just more fun for the sport of football, because I was thinking about this out of like the primary offensive minds in the game. The first two that you really think of are Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. And throughout their careers, neither of them has had a real superstar quarterback, which makes it really more impressive what they've done because it just means that Sean McVay is trying to coax whatever he can out of like Jared Goff's crossing routes and uh, Kyle Shanahan Matt, is Matt just Ryan was an MVP. But yeah, and so that's the thing. Kyle Shanahan. And so that's the thing. And Kyle Shanahan was like squeezing whatever he can out of Jimmy Garoppolo. And they're succeeding with that. But it's really exciting to see. What's going to happen when you put one of those offensive minds with a really good, probably at the very least top 10 quarterback, I would say in Matthew Stafford. And as you mentioned, Matt Ryan won MVP when he was with Kyle Shanahan that one year. So what is the limit for Stafford? Well, well, no Kyle Shanahan, but <laughs> yes. you, you got, you got uh, Sean McVay. Top tier offensive mind is, is yeah, more yeah. what I meant. Yeah. And, and also Sean McVay can finally like build like a scheme around a good arm. Jared Goff has been good. Like, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been bad. He's been just there in the middle. I think that with Matthew Stafford, who you know can make the big throws, who you know can come up clutch, you can have a lot more fun with your offense. You can call a lot more different types of plays. Matthew Stafford's going to be a lot happier because he's not in Detroit. 
And I think that that whole situation is just going to be a lot of fun to watch next year. Whether they're good or not, I think it'll be a very fun team to watch. And the Rams had to make this move, I think, actually. Oh, for sure. Because Jared Goff is functional. As I said, Matthew Stafford is a ceiling raiser. But more than that, this team was hurtling towards regression. Like, it was just screaming regression. Because their defense was the best in the NFL, probably. They lost their defensive coordinator. They're probably about to lose uh, one of the better safeties in the game. And the safety position is so important to the way their defense works. John Johnson, obviously, is who I'm talking about. They may lose Darius Williams. We'll talk about that. And also, most importantly, we know that defensive production fluctuates far more from year to year and is much less consistent than offensive production. And the offensive line might not be as good as, quite as good. Their run game was either the best or the second best in the NFL. I think the best by DVOA in the league. That probably won't repeat. There's all these things that were bound towards regression. So if the Rams wanted to repeat what they did and advance on that, even they needed to improve their passing game, which was really the only spot where they could improve. And so by bringing in Matthew Stafford, that really gives them the chance to do that. So I think it's an awesome move. Yeah, I, I think that both teams really benefited from this. The, the line aren't anything right now. They're just an organization with some poor leadership. Dan Campbell is their coach. And I think that maybe the next few years, they'll be able to build something up with these first round picks. Maybe grab a future quarterback if Goff is really that bad. And I'm sure he will be because with what we've seen with Jared Goff, when he's under pressure and when he's down, he plays at his worst. And he's going to be in those situations a lot in Detroit. So maybe we'll see a future star quarterback go to the Lions. Yeah, I would definitely expect them to be in the quarterback market in the next year or two. What I think is absolutely hilarious is, I mean, you mentioned that, like, you think that the Rams are going to move on from Jared Goff, and they so clearly wanted to. It was not a question of whether they wanted to move on from it. It was more a question of whether they could do it with the salary constraints, especially with the lower salary cap, which is still worth discussing. But this is the funniest thing I think I've seen all year. And I and uh, Arif Hassan, uh, who covers the Vikings for the Athletic, tweeted it uh, after the trade broke. So apparently Les Need was in a press conference on January 27th. So just after the season had ended for them, after the conference championship game. He was basically repeatedly asked to say that Jared Goff was his quarterback. Uh, and he refused to say it. He refused to admit to him. So a reporter told him, you're setting yourself up for a whole summer of questions. And he responded, if you say so. And then the reporter finally said, I'm giving you one more chance to say Jared's your quarterback. And Les Snead said, oh, he's around right now. That's unbelievable. I mean, all he had to do was lie. That's very telling. Yes. Oh, 100%. So honestly, I'm happy for them and for Sean McVay that they could just get out of Jared Goff because that situation was done. But Jared Goff in Detroit might be the single funniest like matchup of person (laughs) and place that I could possibly think of in the entire NFL. No, no, Jared Jared Goff quarterbacking for Detroit under Dan Campbell. Yes, that too. (laughs) If you hadn't told me that we'd be seeing that. Oh my God. How do you think he feels about kneecaps? <laughs> That'll be interesting. I mean, uh, it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. It's a, it's a very weird, like, mesh of people in Detroit. And it probably won't, it won't work. No. But at least it'll be fun to see how horrible they are. At the very least. Um, just to finish up with the Rams, and I, there's a couple of things to say about the Lions, but I think it's more self-explanatory from their side, and the bigger question is whether they got the ideal value. So the Rams need to figure out what they're doing with the rest of their free agents, because by bringing in Matthew Stafford, they actually probably can reduce their quarterback cap hit for this season if they get him to sign an extension for less than $12.5 million being paid out this season. I don't know if it'll be quite that low, but at the very least, they're not going to raise their cap hit significantly just by taking on Matthew Stafford because they were able to trade away Jared Goff. But even with that, they still have very little cap space. And their two biggest free agents are probably John Johnson, who, as I mentioned, their star safety, who's unlikely to come back. Um, Mina Kimes mentioned Cleveland as a possible destination. I really like that. I think that would be great for both parties. And interestingly, Darius Williams, who's a restricted free agent and really had his breakout year this year. But he's also going into his fourth year in the league, and he's going to be 28, which is interesting. I mean, I'm not sure if you've heard his story. His college team was literally dissolved while he was there. He had to wait two years for it to come back. But he, So he's older, but he's also a restricted free agent. He's going to get some pretty decent offer sheets. And it's unclear how good he actually is because he was playing across from Jalen Ramsey the entire season. I think he's good, but do I think he's going to be worth maybe what someone like the Broncos might give him? I don't know. I think he probably won't be a Ram next year. 
I think he'll get a pretty big contract somewhere else. And he's going to say, I can't give up this money and take it. And I, I don't know where that'll be, whether it's the Broncos. Uh, a lot of teams need corners. Maybe even the um, – what's a, what's, a what's a good team that needs a corner? Maybe the J- Jets, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of teams that need corners. There are very few good corners yeah. in the league. So I think he'll likely not stay as a Ram, and they might go for the cheaper signing of Troy Hill with this this offseason. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to tell. Here's why I think he's actually going to be a Ram. So he's, as I mentioned, he's a restrictive free agent. I don't entirely understand the restrictive free agency system, but basically from what I can understand, the Rams can put a first-round tender on him at around $4.5 million, which means that if he accepts the tender, he'll be paid $4.5 million for next year. If another team signs him, they have to send the Rams a first-round pick. So pretty good outcome for the Rams either way. $4.5 million is a very affordable contract for a player of his caliber, or at least the way he played last year. I think that Darius Williams is good, but at the same time, he was playing under a brilliant coach who put him in the right spot all the time and across from Jalen Ramsey, which limited what he needed to keep an eye on on the field. It just makes me think of a different Rams player who left the Rams last offseason, Corey Littleton, who completely flopped in his new surroundings in Oakland, or actually, I guess, Las Vegas now. Those were two defensive co- two different defensive coordinators. He obviously left Wade Phillips' system. I just wonder whether teams will be a little bit more hesitant because of that, but I do think Darius Williams will have a market and the Rams will definitely want to bring him back because they clearly want to compete this coming season. Yeah, and the good thing for the Rams is they don't have too many free agents that they need to re-sign. I would say maybe Austin Blythe is necessary because he was a top 10 center this year. Uh, you got Josh Reynolds maybe because he's a young wide receiver. He's gone because they have Van Jefferson to replace him. Oh, right. They're the same person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. the, the, amount, the amount of times I've mixed them up during this season is ridiculous. They're like the same player in my eyes. And then uh, I guess... I guess that's it. That's pretty much it. Like, they really need to maybe, get, bring Darius Maybe Williams Samson at Ebukon. I think they can replace him. Yeah. Uh, all these guys are replaceable. The biggest guy that they're going to lose is Leonard Floyd, and they're not bringing him back because he's going to get a lot of money. Right, right, right. So There's no at, way he's coming back. At the same time, they always manufacture that production across from Aaron Donald because of what Aaron Donald does. But yeah. um, definitely something to keep an eye on. On the Lion side, going to Detroit. So, I don't know what you think. I, I've heard a bunch of different rumors from... Albert Breer and a bunch of different league sources saying the different offers that they've gotten. Apparently one other team offered two first round picks, only one other team. And the guess is that it's the bears and that they don't want to trade them within the division, which makes a lot of sense. I think it's actually better for them, which in a sort of weird way that the picks are two years out, 2022 and 2023, rather than in this year's draft, because the NFL is a very, very fleeting league. The Jaguars were in that were in the AFC Championship game in 2016, and they looked like they were on their upward trajectory. They had the best defense in the league by far, and they had bottomed out within like two years. If you give the Rams two or three years and this doesn't work, the Lions could have lucked their way into like a top 10 pick in 2023. So I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. The Rams are clearly betting that those picks are going to be very low. But at the same time, I think that having those later picks really fits better with the Rams, with the Lions' timeline, because... Like, they're not going to win these next two years. My only concern with all of this is that 2023 isn't really a real year to me yet. Like, I, that just doesn't really yeah. make sense in my head. Otherwise, I like it. Yeah, the, what I had trouble evaluating was future picks. It's impossible to, to evaluate these types, of, these types of trades yet because, first of all, the, the status of the draft class is pretty unclear as of now. Uh, you don't know what can change. A whole virus could wipe out the entire draft class. You never know. For now, I'm going to say that this was an even trade, but I, I could totally see it fluctuating, and I could see the Lions getting a much better deal out of this if the Rams suck and and vice versa. Yeah, and I think most importantly, both teams got what they needed, and the Lions did right by their probably third most important player in franchise history. I mean, like I don't know old Lions history, but beyond Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, the only other player that's more of a Lions legend is probably Matthew Stafford, at least in the modern era. And so I think that sending him to the right team, a team that he wanted to play for, was really important because an acrimonious break would have been terrible for everyone. <laughs> I think that LA is a much better spot than Washington or Carolina. And they don't oh, move him sure. to Chicago, which is And he their joins division. his buddy Kershaw. Exactly. He, he joins Clayton Kershaw in LA. Are they friends? They look like. Yeah, they've been friends since like middle school or something. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. 
They show it literally every Lions game. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. I don't watch Lions games. Yeah, so. I only know it from Thanksgiving. Uh, oh, okay. Here's my question. Are the Lions going to be on Thanksgiving this year? Because please, oh, please. I hope like, not. If, the NFL, if you're going to do it, put them against the Chiefs just so we can watch the battery. Like, at some point, the NFL has to put their money-making priorities first and say, to hell with tradition. Or just put, We're it, during, the Lions just out put of here. it during dinner. Put it during the dinner game. <laughs> yeah, I... I guess. So we all get to eat dinner instead. No one should be tortured by having to watch the Lions as the only game on. The, <laughs> yeah, the thing that, is, that, that'd be awful. I'm not going to worry too much about whether the Lions pick the perfect offer or whether getting the Panthers number eight overall pick, which apparently they offered instead of two first round picks is more valuable. I just think that this is the best outcome for NFL fans in 2021. There's one more team that's a top tier uh, contender that will be going for it all this year, this season, which is always fun to watch. We get Sean McVay with Matt Stafford. I think it's just a lot of fun things to watch. And I can't bring myself Completely new defense, too. A very, yep, a new defense that should be very interesting. And honestly, I do not care what happens to the Lions. I I just don't. (laughs) Yeah. No one, I don't think anyone really cares right now. And for good reason. They're kind of just like, and also the the plain gray helmets. It's yep. just a perfect representation of how boring they are. They blend into the background. Their yeah. They're very bleak. Okay. So unless you have anything else for the Rams or Lions, I want to think about what this really means for the future and for other NFL teams, much less from Matt Stafford's perspective, because we know sort of what he is. I think he's probably like a, around top 10 is quarterback with a higher ceiling who's never been consistent and has been in a terrible situation his entire career and can possibly be unlocked, although this is his chance to prove it. I think that's about it. That's what we know from Matt Stafford. Yep. What we learned from Jared Goff is very different because throughout NFL history, and especially in recent years after the rookie wage scale has shifted, it's basically been standard that if your rookie quarterback isn't a bust, you just set the top of the market and you give him the next best deal and the Rams did that with Jared Goff. And he was legitimately playing well at the time. Like, it's sort of hard to fault them for that. He was a, probably a top seven quarterback in 2018. Like, he was really, really good. Yeah, just I just remember that one Chiefs game. And, and the Lions game. Definitely top 10. Definitely top sorry, 10. Not Lions game, Vikings game. He that In that Vikings game, he was on fire. Anyways, he was really good that year. And at the same time, the Rams always knew, and I think everyone always knew, that he was so dependent on the scheme. He was so dependent on play action. He could only throw specific balls, and he was never going to create outside of structure. And so it was always sort of a question. Do you give him that big contract? And they decided to. They wanted to reward their players. And it clearly did not work out. They had to ship off a first-round pick just to get him out of the building and to get off of his contract. I think that the team, I think obviously the team that this applies to most of the Browns, at the very least as of right now. Adam, do you think that this changes the way that they look at Baker Mayfield? It's really, it's tough because just the, the, I don't know, just the view of Baker Mayfield is completely different than how the the Rams have you, have you Jared Goff. If, if you wanted to see any staff member talk bad about Baker, you would not have to, you, you would not get that from them. They love that guy with their, with their lives. He is such a popular character there. He's more than just a quarterback. He's become the face of the Browns organization. And he's so important to that city. The main difference I would say is that Baker has seen like playoff success to some extent. Jared Goff went to the Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield won one playoff no, game and no, lost to on the... his own. On his own, though, like because they didn't have Shanahan that game. Or sorry, when, why did I say Shanahan? What Stefanski? Uh, they didn't have Stefanski. Yeah, but they game. won that game. They won that game because Ben Roethlisberger threw four interceptions and fumbled the ball over his head. That had nothing to do with Baker. Okay. Sure. I'm just saying that I think that Baker has shown a little bit more than Jared Goff has shown in his, in, even in his best moments. I think that neither of them are great quarterbacks, but I think he has more upside and more charisma and he's more of a person off the field that, that makes him more attractive to stay there as a franchise quarterback. Well, here's the thing. I do not think the Browns will move on from Baker unless he has a terrible year this year. I want to make that very clear. I have no expectation that they'll do it. It's more of a question for me whether they should do it because I think I think that they should actually, and for all the reasons you said, the Browns fans are too in love with him for them to possibly do that. And the relationship between the fans and the franchise, and especially the franchise quarterback, I think is very different in Cleveland, which is why they could never do it. But in terms of being limited as a play action quarterback, all of those same things still apply. The only difference is that Baker's better outside of the pocket. 
that's really the only difference between the two. And Jared Goff is pro- is a more talented thrower. Like if you go back and you watch that Vikings game, it is unbelievable the stuff that Jared Goff is doing in that game. So look, I, I don't think the Browns will do it. I just think it's something that's worth considering. And if I was building a franchise in like Madden or whatever, because in real life, I would definitely get fired if I tried to do this. I would probably just cycle through quarterbacks on rookie contracts until I found a superstar. It's so much easier to build a franchise when your quarterback is on such a cheap contract comparatively. And as long as they're not a complete bust, it's it's possible to build a team around them. And then if you find like Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes or any of those guys, you say, all right, we're paying you everything. But until then, I really don't think it's worth it. And when you're handcuffing your team with a contract, like the one that Jared Goff got, the one that Carson Wentz got, it makes it really hard to plan for the future. Um, and so that's something that NFL teams need to keep in mind. But I also think it's going to change in the short term because it is so hard to move on from your quarterback. Like the relationship between a quarterback and a team is so different than any other position, maybe in all of sports. And so that changes that entire dynamic. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I'm really looking forward to this and I'm sure we'll have more Lions, well, not Lions talk, we'll have more Rams talk over the offseason. Yeah. And, and I'm sure we'll have some interesting predictions to go along with that. Oh, definitely. But we promised you that we would do our own award season to recap the 2020 NFL season. And we are not doing the boring MVP because I do not care about debating whether Rodgers or Mahomes is the MVP. I do not care if Aaron Donald or TJ Watt is the defensive player of the year, which for the record, it's Aaron Donald. Um, <laughs> I, that is not all that interesting to me. So instead, Adam and I have come up with our own awards. I have no idea what his awards are. He has no idea what my awards are, but they should be fun. So, Adam, do you want to start us off with your first award from... I didn't come up with the name for our awards ceremony. The 2020 NFL Awards brought to you by Tackling the NFL. So, my, my names aren't that clever, but uh, they're pretty just literal. But I have some some more fun awards than what they do normally because, you know, no one cares about the normal awards. Who MVP? <laughs> they never talk about MVPs. They, that's not important. What they will talk about after they hear this podcast is the least improved award. <laughs> this one, this one goes to the player who he didn't get worse and he didn't get better. He stayed the exact same. Wait, let me guess who it is. Okay. Is it Sam Darnold? It is not. Okay. Who is but it? He was an honorable mention. Got it. Who is it? It was DJ Moore. Listen to this. I forgot about DJ. The Panthers are so <laughs> irrelevant. In, in 2019, DJ, I, I found all these stats myself. In 2019, he had 1,215 scrimmage yards and four touchdowns. In 2020, he had 1,215 scrimmage yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> he had the exact same season twice. He was the by far the least improved player in the NFL. I like that. Although, I do think DJ Moore is very good and not having a very good quarterback yeah. factored into that. <laughs> I, I mentioned... All right, so uh, let's let's go to... <laughs> My next award, just because I mentioned Sam Darnold, I think he fits very well into that category. And one of my awards was very similar to that one. I gave my awards fun names, all of them except for one, because I could not come up with a name for that, one of them. This is an Aaron Gordon Award for untapped potential. Aaron Gordon oh. is an, an NBA player for the Orlando Magic, who is one of the most athletic players in the league, who is basically nothing other than just like a big athletic guy who never really figured it out. This one goes to Sam Darnold. This one's for you, Sam. I hope you figure it out. But until you do, you don't have a career with the Jets. Yeah, currently he, he we haven't seen Sam Darnold play quarterback. We've seen Adam Gase play quarterback through <laughs> Sam Darnold. The ghost of Adam Gase is inhabiting Sam Darnold. <laughs> he, he's like a he's like a puppet master. Yes, and, and Sam Darnold's a puppet. And now Pinocchio's loose. But the the difference between like Sean McVay puppet mastering Jared Goff and Adam Gase doing it to Sam Darnold is that like <laughs> Sam Darnold is like a Muppet. Like it's like everything's going in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And comically large mistakes. Oh yeah. That that's a good one. I, I who do you have any honorable mentions for that one? I did not. Although do you have any ideas for it? For untapped potential. Maybe Naheem Hines. <laughs> okay that's the adam baltax like love, like, <laughs> like uh, i will the adam baltax titanic award because i will always love you <laughs> no matter what nine nine uh anyways the next one i have best rookie name Ooh, wait all right here's my guess for it dj wanham he's not even an honorable mention Ooh, okay so i i have Four honorable mentions. 
Wow. Okay. We got Prince Tega Wanogo. Oh, I love him. Okay. We got McTelvin Ajim. I've never heard of him. We got Rogisterman Ferris the second. Ooh. <laughs> and we got Lamont McFadder the second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, wait. Actually, no. I know who. I know who it is. I know who the best name player is. Who is it? Arlington Hamburger. He is Ar- Arlington Hambright. Arlington oh, Hambright. Hamburger. <laughs> Let's go. He, he is the number one. The tackle for the Bears. He is the best rookie name out of all of them. Uh, he hits pretty close to home, but. It was between Arlington Hambright and Lamont McFadder. So it was, it was a pretty good competition. That's, that's a good class. I remember the only reason I know about Arlington Hambright is because I saw his name on an injury report and our group chat promptly lit up <laughs> when we all realized that he existed. Yeah. So I have, okay, I have one award I'm saving best for last because I really like this one. So I have a combination award here. I have the Tom Haverford and Jerry Gergich award. Okay. So Tom Haverford <laughs> is Drew Locke. Because he's a really drippy. Do you want, do you want to explain uh, who they are first? Yeah, sure. If you guys haven't seen Parks and Rec, like it's Tom, Haver- like I can't explain who they are. But if you've seen Parks and Rec, you get this. Drew Locke is very drippy. He has absolutely no substance. And also, I like this one. This one is a more deep cut Parks and Rec. He has only one read, and Tom Haverford only ever only read twice. Only ever read one book. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good call. All right. And so the Jerry Gergich Award goes to the team that I thought about the least. And that's the Denver Broncos. That's why that goes together. (laughs) That makes sense. The honorable mentions for this one were the Detroit Lions and Carolina Panthers. And I actually think we talked about those two teams more in this one episode than we did the entire rest of the year combined. Yep. And that's just, the Denver Broncos are not a team you want to talk about too much. So I'll move on promptly. Oh, yes. Please go ahead. So the next one is Mr. Stiffness. The worst celebration by any NFL player. So this is actually the I would go the, probably the stiffest celebration. So okay. so an honorable mention was Jared Goff's spike versus the Washington football team. I was thinking about that one. I love that one. Where he turned like 20 degrees and the ball just left his hand before he even made the spike. That was yep. disgusting. But I think that the worst celebration, because the NFL has started to do the best celebration award at the end of the year. That's boring. No one wants to see the best celebrations. They choreograph that. Well, you can't choreograph. Is the Kirk Cousins gritty? <laughs> that is one of the most <laughs> disgusting things I've ever seen, and the stiffest gritty I I, I think that we've seen the whole season. I, I think this one t- deserved the award more than any of the others. I like it. And since we're talking about white guys, <laughs> let's talk about the West Welker Award, oh. <laughs> which goes to the player who has been called for the the most times this year called gritty. Or cerebral or a really lunch pale guy, maybe even sneaky athletic. Um, <laughs> do you want to guess who this is going to? There's so many. Um, There's so many. Maybe Taysom Hill. <laughs> no, although he's actually athletic. This one is going to Cole Beasley, who's actually oh, a good okay. player. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I cannot say how many times he did it. And there's a very, very important honorable mention to this one. The honorable mention for the West Welker Award is Scotty Miller, yep. who Troy Aikman called a Wes Welker type during the <laughs> NFC Championship game, which is the furthest thing from the truth. The only thing they share in terms of their football game is that they're white. <laughs> Literally, their style and their receiving ability and their whatever they Could do. Could not essentially, be further apart. No, no, not at all. For the record, Wes Welker was like a slot receiver, a slow slot receiver over the middle. Scotty Miller is an outside burner. They have nothing in common. <laughs> Like, I get the Julian Edelman comparison, but Scotty Miller just, that doesn't make any sense. At that point, you're just, that's saying Gunnar Olszewski is the same player as Wes Welker. Is he? <laughs> They're white. <laughs> yep. So the next one I had was actually kind of, like, serious, uh, just because I thought this guy deserved a little bit of respect. So I have the Mr. Do-Everything Award uh, on defense. So I know who I thought, this is going to be. Who is it? Kenny Moore. He's, the honor, he's on the honorable mentions list. All right. Okay. So I have Minka Fitzpatrick and Kenny Moore on the honorable mentions list. I think sure. that they both did more than they should have for that defense, for their defenses. And Jamal Adams, I thought about, but like at the same time, he wasn't very good at. at he was playing. more of a liability to his yeah, defense because yeah. he was able to be supposed <laughs> to cover so much. Did everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the winner of the Mister Do Everything Award, the the defensive Mister Do Everything Award in 2020, 2021 season was Jesse Bates the third. I love Jesse Bates, but he's also just a free safety. He doesn't do everything. But he oh. does. He's Okay, 
I, I see what you mean. It's, it's not a player that moves around the formation. It's more of a player that carries the entire defense. Yeah. So, so he had to do everything for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he still put up insane numbers. He had his third straight 100-plus tackle season, three picks, and all of this happening while having literally zero help on that defense. Adam, name a cornerback on the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to try. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I actually don't think I can. Yeah, so he had no help and he had to do everything. I think that it was an absolute ludicrous call not to put him on the Pro Bowl roster. But at the same time, Pro Bowl rosters don't matter. But yeah, he was insane this year. I thought he deserved a little bit of respect. I love that. Definitely a shout out to Jesse Bates every day of the week. Yep. All right. I don't have a name for this award. If you come up with a better one, this is just for the finesse god. That's just it. And this award is going to Rob Gronkowski. And he sealed this yesterday when he revealed in a pre-Super Bowl press conference uh, how he got out of the vast majority of his off-season workouts by filming himself multiple times on the same day wearing different shirts so you can send <laughs> in different tapes over the course of the summer without having to do, run wind sprints multiple times. Amazing. Also, he made nearly $10 million this season for 2.8 receptions per game. Finesse God. Thank you, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, that's the way to do it. Taysom Hill should be up there too for his finessing of a bunch of money. I have one other player that's a similar award, but that is what I'm closing with because it might be the favorite thing I wrote. So okay. you're up. So, so next I have the best nickname. I couldn't think of a great award, but we've heard some interesting nicknames this year. I came up with this guy when I was thinking of the best rookie names, and this is my honorable mention, Calvin Throckmorton. <laughs> what team does he play for? <laughs> Calvin Throckmorton. I'm pretty sure he's the tackle on the Saints. They call him Doc Throck. I thought that was an incredible <laughs> nickname. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Calvin Throckmorton from here on out. Uh, but he's an honorable mention. I thought in terms of a complete story, I had to go with Jerry Judy's nickname of Jew. The story behind this <laughs> is go. hilarious. So he was wearing a Star of David uh, chain to a press conference. And a reporter promptly asked, so Jerry Judy, why do you have a Star of David necklace or sorry, chain? Why are you wearing one? He was like, oh, I'm not Jewish. My friends call me Jew. So, so I thought I'd get a Jewish star to represent it. But I'm not Jewish, though. I'm saying this now as a member of a Jewish youth group leader for years. And as somebody <laughs> who, had to, who was forcibly taken to synagogue for years, Jerry Judy is officially an honorable member of the tribe. I am declaring <laughs> it now. Yes. And just that, that entire story, I think I was dying on the floor for a good 10 minutes after hearing that interview. I love it. All right, Adam, this story is very close to both of our hearts. I think it might be our like our combined favorite story of the year. The Deborah Everton Costume Design Award goes to Kima Siverand. <laughs> and for the record, <laughs> Deborah Everton was a costume designer for the movie Spy Kids, which is one of the most insane movies I've ever seen. And it was the first movie that I thought of when I thought of ridiculous costumes. So I had to give this to Kima Siverand the Seahawks rookie that tried to sneak in uh, his girlfriend into the team hotel during the preseason uh, by dressing her up in pads and a helmet. It did not work. He was cut. Uh, luckily, he was picked up by the Raiders. So if it was like so depressing, he was officially out of the league. I might not have done it. But yes, an amazing story all around. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to put him at one of my awards because I was looking back at biggest scandals. I was like, look at the Odell Beckham Jr. scandal. And the, and then I it just it got a little weird. And I just was like, I'm just going to drop this whole concept. I'm not going to cross any lines. But that was definitely a, a fantastic story that lit up our preseason. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so next I have the the most surprising sideline site. The, this is when they pan to the sidelines and they show the, the players doing something. And you're like, wait, did I just see that correctly? I have a guess. Okay. Stephon Diggs flossing? Yep. All right. <laughs> it was in the middle of the game. I think it was the third quarter. They were talking about Stephon Diggs' receptions that game. They panned to Stephon and he did he had floss in his mouth. I, I think the most surprising thing about it for me, as someone who doesn't floss, I'm not ashamed to say that I don't floss, um, but the most surprising thing for me was that he was like double-siding it. I didn't realize that people really did that. And it was very funny to watch. Yeah, it, it was very shocking because I was very into that football game. And then suddenly there's a guy flossing on my screen. Oh, wait, that's the fun digs flossing. This isn't a commercial. That was my last and, and favorite, my award. All right. So I have an honorary award. I'll go through very quickly. 
I have the Real Comeback Player of the Year award, which goes to Trent Williams, because they're going to give the Comeback Player of the Year award to Alex Smith, but Trent Williams was amazing this year, and he should be recognized because Alex Smith wasn't that good. Just wanted to throw that out there. What about Alden Smith? Alden Smith was also very good. Trent Williams was actually probably better, just for less recognition, I would say. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I have the the Bob Semple Award. I only have one more award after this one, which was presented by Colin Mashkari and Keegan O'Hara. They helped me come up with this. This is the award for the worst tank because the Bob Semple was the worst tank of World War II. It was made by New Zealand out of repurposed farm and construction machinery, apparently. (laughs) It never saw action for the record, but it's like embarrassingly bad. This obviously goes to the New York Giants, who even after managing to lose a game against the Raiders, New York York Jets. Jets. I can't even remember their name. Even after managing to lose a game to the Raiders by cover zero blitzing at the very end of the game, they still managed to beat the Rams and the Browns to cost themselves Trevor Lawrence. Just just embarrassing all around, guys. Sorry, Colin. I think they fired their defensive coordinator a little too early. (laughs) Yeah. So, my final award, and this is my favorite one, this is the Melvin Capital Award. And Melvin Capital is a hedge fund that was nearly driven bankrupt by the GameStop guys uh, this past week. This award goes to the person that provides the least value to society, just like hedge funds. (laughs) The answer to this is Chase Daniel. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Chase Daniel has... (laughs) quite a successful career this past year before the season he got a three-year 13 million dollar contract adam do you want to guess how many passing attempts chase daniel has averaged per season uh let's go with 200 23 passing attempts per season (laughs) oh my god he got a 13 million dollar three-year contract yeah he has on his career Eight touchdowns to seven interceptions. Josh, I'll give you that much money if you can give me a good reason why. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, it's, I I can't, I can't justify this. He is still on the Lions. He is apparently mentoring Jared Goff now, but I I had to give that shout out to Chase Daniel, who, unlike Rob Gronkowski, who actually secured the bag, he's just white. And so he got that money and I can't really give him that much credit, but you know what? Good for him. And he's now been talked about more on our podcast than on any NFL broadcast in the past five years. You're welcome, Chase Daniel. So that is our award season. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Just before we head out, just to reiterate our Super Bowl picks, because we are a week out from the Super Bowl and it's probably worth mentioning. Adam, has anything changed for you in this past week? Nope. We were thinking about this before the podcast. We're like, has any storyline come out? Has any information come out that might change our picks? No, it would have to be a massive story for the Chiefs not to win this game. Yep. The Chiefs are going to win. Patrick Mahomes is going to dominate. I hope no one gets COVID. And if we're wrong? Well, I will donate Chase Daniels' contract to charity. No, I will not. That is too much. (laughs) And you will be forever bankrupt. (laughs) Yes, I will. Oh, man. Melvin Capital, like I said. (laughs) But anyways, thank you all for listening. Uh, We will be back after the Super Bowl with some actual football talk. Have a good week, guys.